Live from WNUR News, I'm Angelina Campanile. You're listening to the 6 o'clock news on WNUR 89.3 FM HD1 Evanston, Chicago. It's Monday, May 2nd, 2022. Tonight on WNUR News, moped superiority on campus, thoughts on Rosalia's new album, Motomami, and what it's like to be a vegan on a Northwestern meal plan. Those stories coming up tonight on WNUR News at 6. Thanks for tuning in. Walking, biking, busing, rollerblading, driving, Northwestern students do it all just to get to class in the morning. But the real struggle isn't getting around campus. Reporter Jordan Manji has a story. In 2022, Northwestern received an official designation for being one of the best universities for commuters. But how do undergrads who live off campus actually get around? Between stolen bikes, expensive cars, skateboard wipeouts, and inconsistent buses, living off campus isn't always easy. Is NU as commuter-friendly as the designation suggests? I spoke to some students to find out. For a lot of students, the answer to how they get around is simple. They walk. One off-campus student, Emma Yarger, said, I walk everywhere. I'm walking to campus at least once a day and then also to downtown Evanston. This is, however, less than ideal in the colder months of the year. WNUR staffer Delaney Nelson, who's from Illinois, said the cold is just a fact of being at NU. Unless they created, like, heated tunnels or something like that. I don't see that happening personally. I don't know. I guess that's just part of going to school in Illinois. When it's warmer out, some students ride their bikes. I'm not the best bike rider, so, like, when I told my parents I was getting a bike, my mom was, like, really worried that, like, a car was going to immediately just hit me. So I like that there's the median between the bike lane and the street. That's a new student, Eleanor Pope. She said campus is fairly accessible for bikes and there are racks in front of nearly all buildings. There's accessible entrances to most places that are like flat and there are so many bike racks on campus. Other students I spoke to, however, had gotten their bikes stolen either on campus. Freshman year, I used a bike everywhere, but then my bike got stolen. Or in Evanston. I was a little bit lazy and I didn't lock my bike up in my backyard and it did get stolen. And so I no longer have a bike. Sorry, mom. And there are, of course, other wheels available to students with enough balance. I will skateboard every once in a blue moon. It was nice because I am always running a little bit late. I also spoke with WNUR executive producer Sarah Cadora. She does have a car. Sarah said while it's convenient most of the time, her biggest concern is getting a parking ticket. I definitely don't follow all the rules to a T, but I also like don't flagrantly abuse them. Sarah said she rarely parks on campus. Part of the reason for that is the expensive parking permits for campus lots. Commuter students have to pay $418.50 to park for the academic year. Instead, she prefers side streets off of Sheridan Road. I usually park in like a two hour spot and I very rarely stay there for less than two hours. But the most known mode of transportation on campus, mopeds. When I see the mopeds, I am jealous of them because they look fun, but I also really associate them with Northwestern football players, which kind of irritates me. These electric quasi-vehicles are associated primarily with athletes, but some non-athletes, like Delaney Bondock, also enjoy their convenient size and cruising capabilities. It does kind of look like a motorcycle. It's like black and it has, you know, the two handlebars and it's all black and then there has 
um, like the two wheels and there's like a pretty high leather like seat and then a little bar at the end that you can like hook on like baskets and stuff. She uses her moped primarily to go to class and run short errands in Evanston. Now that it's getting warmer, I've been like able to travel around to different like coffee shops. Um, and then like when my roommates have like comedy stuff late at night, I'm like, oh, I'll just drop you off. It takes two seconds so. And the athlete comparison, Delaney says she doesn't mind at least not too much. But every time that I like drive anyone on it, they're always like, oh my God, people are gonna think we're athletes, but no one's ever like asked me. I don't think I really give off like football player, <laughs> football player vibes. No matter what their wheels look like or if they don't have any at all, Northwestern students' biggest gripe isn't getting to campus. It's about getting to a real grocery store. I desperately wish I had a car not just get her on campus, but also to be able to drive to a grocery store. I think that's like my biggest complaint because North Campus needs a grocery store that isn't D&D's. We always have to either like rent a car or like borrow a friend's car. So if I had a car, it would be like a lot easier. For WNUR News, I'm Jordan Manji. Campus local editor Maria Jimena Aragon and arts and entertainment editor Maria Camaño Give us their thoughts on Rosalia's new album, Motomami, for our arts and entertainment news tonight. Here's a story. Motomami. Noun. A biker chick. Or, as singer Rosalia describes it, and energy. If you've never heard of the word motomami, don't worry, I hadn't either. But the word will definitely be making its mark, as it is the title of the third studio album of Spanish singer Rosalia. Released on March 18, 2022 by Columbia Records, Motomami is a 16-track experimental pop and alt-reggaeton album. The album had its fair share of hype, since singer Rosalia had not released an album since 2018. In the US, Motomami debuted at number 33 on the Billboard Hot 100, with 17,000 album units sold in its first week. The album also was number one in the top Latin pop album chart and had the largest opening week for a Latin pop album in the year 2022. I sat down with WNUR News' campus local editor, who also happens to be my friend, Maria Jimena Aragón, to discuss our thoughts on the album and how we reacted to it. My expectations before the album came out were actually really bad. Like I thought, I don't know, Rosalia, the way that she's going as an artist with a lot of auto-tune and different things like that, I was just not very excited for this album. And then specifically when she dropped um, Chicken Teriyaki, I was like, girl, que esta pasando? What are we doing? Chicken Teriyaki um, lives in my nightmares. <laughs> and then I saw the like track list and things like that. And I was like, oh, I'm not sure I'm too excited for this album. But, you know, you have to give it a chance. So uh, when it dropped, I actually listened it through and I was pleasantly surprised. There are some gems. There are also not so much gems, but I definitely enjoyed my time listening to it. And now there are some songs that I do play and I'll show my friends and they're like, like, what is this? Like super excited. Um, so yeah. She's doing something very experimental. Mm -hmm. So I think that a lot of people really like the songs where she kind of goes back to her roots, like with the flamenco, like Sakura and like- Delirio de Grandeza, that's my favorite. Yeah, Delirio de Grandeza. It 100% reminds me of like, 
what I kind of fell in love with her music. So Delirio Grandeza was like one of my faves. And then um, there was like other ones that she has. What's your least favorite song on the album? I say hentai. Te quiero ride como mi bike Hazme un tape modo spike I don't know. Like it sounds very melodic and super nice and very like, oh, cool. But then like, you hear the lyrics and I'm just like, no quiero ride un bike. Like that's not, I don't like that. So <laughs> I think that was my least favorite. Mm-hmm. So speaking of, what are your favorite songs from the album? I got you. I wrote a list. Delirio Grandeza oh. is number one, for sure. La ambición, delirio de grandeza. Hizo mí un ser martirizado. I like Saoko. Saoko is very, I don't know, exciting. Like, people will kind of just, like, vibe to it. Saoko, papi, Saoko. Chica, ¿qué dices? And then, oh my God, my favorite Moto Mami. Like, okay, Pharrell is on this track, right? We know that his producer tag are those four beats in the beginning. But Moto Mami, you just like be standing here, just like doing homework. And you'll be like, Moto Mami, Moto Mami, Moto Mami, Moto Mami. Like, it is the best thing in the world. And I just, I don't know. It's been stuck in my head right now. I remember like texting you when I heard it for the first time, like through being like, oh my God, this is actually like not terrible. Yeah, because we were just teased. Okay, that's also another another conversation. She teased with like the weirdest lyrics and the songs that are like, weren't the best on the album. And yeah. it got conversation happening, right? Like it got people to be like, uh, like got people, because mm-hmm. people love to hate things, right? They love to hate songs. They love to hate artists, but then it gets you listening. And then you're like, wait a second, your impression was incorrect. So I don't know. I think, I think it was very effective for Rosalia, but I would definitely love for her to go back to her, her roots, her flamenco roots. Because I think that's what made her so different. Now it's like super auto-tune and like... She's tapping into different genres. You know that, you know what I mean? So I agree. I think that it was very smart of her because I remember listening to seeing the chicken teriyaki music video and being like, I hate this so much. I hate it so much, so much. I'm not listening to this album. And then I did because I wanted to see if all of them were bad. And then they weren't. So it was like, oh, okay, that's nice. Oh, I think another thing that I really enjoyed from this album was her collaboration with The Weeknd um to hear him sing in Spanish and like do it pretty well I was pleasantly shocked I think it's something that we haven't heard from the weekend it really did help him as well to kind of tap into that that market and then also she collaborated with Okisha. I love her. I <laughs> love her. Yeah, I would love to see more collabs on her end because again with Pharrell producing Motomami, having the weekend and Tokisha on the album, I think that there's she can really tap into that in future projects. Although the album has caused its fair share of controversy, since Rosalia is a Spanish artist placed in the Latin category despite not being Latina herself. Motomami has been a trailblazer in the development of new experimental sound for the reggaeton and Latin pop genre. This week, Rosalia announced that she will be going on the Motomami World Tour across Europe, North America, and Latin America from July to December of this year. Tickets will be going on sale today. 
For WNUR News, this was Maria Camaño. On to oddities for this evening. You can find plenty of plant-based alternatives at coffee shops and grocery stores in Evanston. But what about the dining hall? Oddities reporter Pazbaum finds out what it's like to be a vegan on Northwestern's meal plan. Oat milk, almond milk, soy milk, rice milk, the choices are endless. Just make sure you don't choose whole milk. In the past few years, the number of Americans eating vegan has increased substantially. In 2021, Google searches for vegan food near me increased by 5,000%. Food providers have responded to this change in demand, which is largely coming from young people. According to a 2018 Gallup poll, 15% of adults ages 18 to 49 are vegan, compared to just 5% of adults 50 and above. As many Northwestern students have noticed, one such food provider is college dining halls. Students have mixed reviews of the dining halls in general, and vegan students are no exception. I sat down with a few students for the inside scoop on the experience of eating vegan while on a Northwestern meal plan. When and why did you become vegan? First, I start, start out as like a sustainability concern, so I just like cut meat, um, like beef basically, and uh, because that's like where the methane came from. And uh, after like reading a book, I know like there's an overfishing problem. I took like it took me like five years to entirely became vegan. I've been vegetarian since late 2019, but I didn't really start being like strictly vegan until last summer, but I mainly, I'm like lactose intolerant, so I didn't have any dairy, so I was already like mostly there, to be honest. Um, I think mainly it started with a better awareness of what I was eating and where it came from. You know, there was this one morning when I was doing research on it, and I was actually eating um, a, ha- a ham and cheese sandwich while doing the research. Um, and I came across a statistic that said that every kilogram of beef is the equivalent of 50 showers um, in terms of the water footprint. And I decided like right then and there that, you know, it was just ridiculous. And then from that lunch onwards, I never ate meat again. That was Andrew Chin, Elise Angel, and Kate Lee. They are a first, second, and third year respectively, and they all became either vegetarian or vegan before starting the Northwestern meal plan. The three students, all of whom eventually became fully vegan, did so for slightly different reasons, but they all have one goal in common, to create a more sustainable world. They faced some challenges reaching this goal while on campus, though. How hard or easy have you found it being able to find options in the dining halls for meals? It's okay, but I, like they could definitely do better by like getting like more diversity. I don't really enjoy the dining options that they serve, so oftentimes I'll just like take the raw like salad bar ingredients and then I'll go back and like cook my own food in my dorm. I definitely do feel that you know it, it could it could be fairer if like you know say vegans get to pay less um, for the meal plan. But overall, I haven't had too much of an issue finding um, food and or even like finding healthy food that meets my dietary requirements. Andrew, Elise, and Kate voiced frustration that the limited options in the dining halls de-incentivize students to become vegan. I have friends who like really want to go vegan, but like they don't feel like the dining hall can provide them with enough protein. One suggestion Andrew offered was having the dining hall provide vegan versions of their junk food, like pizza, because students often turn to that food when the rest of the options in the dining hall are lacking. 
Andrew and Elise also said that because of the lack of options, they often find themselves tempted to buy food off campus. Elise gets around this by cooking food in her own dorm, but students without that option may be further de-incentivized to go vegan because of the financial burden it can present. Some vegan students at Northwestern have found community through their common goals and struggles. Andrew, Elise, and Kate are all in the NU Vegans group chat. In the chat, which was started last year by a current sophomore, students recommend and offer warnings about vegan food in the dining halls, plan outings to vegan restaurants, and more. It's just been nice to be able to talk with other people who do share a similar value as you. I think whether that value is you know, environmental care ethics um, when it comes to, like, animal rights or whether that is another value. I think having a community of people who think alike, at least in one manner, is very comforting and it feels like you're not alone. It has meant that I have more room to be excited over vegan food, whereas without the group chat, I would very much just be like, oh, yeah, I'll, you know, eat whatever. It's just food. You know, I eat to live. Um, but with the group chat, I sort of have a more live to eat mentality where I'm like, oh my God, I want to try this so I can you know, text a group and tell them how it is. A lot of vegan students at Northwestern have created a network to support one another, but what about the university? Student organizations have been quite active in promoting sustainability on campus. ASG recently passed a bill committing to default veg, meaning that from now on, the food at ASG-hosted events, barring pizza, will be 70% plant-based. In partnership with the Environmental Policy and Culture Department, students hosted an all-night event for Earth Day during which they learned about climate change and brainstormed solutions to which they could contribute. Administration-sponsored groups like Sustain NU also lead sustainability initiatives. I remember she sent me like the energy reports, and Northwestern is also a pretty like energy-friendly building. I think learning about the policies, I was pretty like satisfied obviously i don't think northwestern is doing the most but i do think they're doing a better job than i really expected you see it with like the reusable containers in like the dining halls and measures around like ryan field and sustainability and they're also thinking about implementing like a sustainability distribution requirement in weinberg which i also think would be really really cool and valuable to have overall andrew elise and kate seemed cautiously optimistic about the future of vegans on northwestern's campus Elise and Kate both mentioned that this year's vegan dining options are significantly better than last year's, so we may be able to expect that trend to continue. For any students looking to shift to a more plant-based diet, I collected my interviewee's go-to vegan meal in Evanston. Elephant and Vine is definitely a good place. It just has like, like really good wraps and burgers. I do really enjoy Soban. I really like not everything there is vegan, obviously, um, but I really like the sundupu, which is like the spicy tofu soup. Um, and they have a lot of like really good vegan options. For WNUR News, I'm Pascal. It's time for the B-List, WNUR News' weekly pop culture roundup. Here's Allison Rauch with more. Welcome to the B-List, your weekly roundup of celebrity mess and pop culture. This week, Met Gala, Don't Worry Darling, and the fight for the Stanley Cup begins. In celebrity news, the 2022 Met Gala kicks off tonight. This is the first gala to be held on the first Monday in May since 2019. The theme is Gilded Glamour, and Vogue is expecting frills and excess. 
The event theme is a continuation of last September's Met Gala celebrating American fashion. The first trailer for Olivia Wilde's new movie Don't Worry Darling dropped today. The film stars Harry Styles and Florence Pugh. Don't Worry Darling attracted considerable attention last Tuesday as Wilde was served custody papers while presenting on stage at CinemaCon. Wilde and ex-husband Jason Sudeikis divorced in 2020. According to a representative, Sudeikis was unaware that the papers would be served in this way. Speaking of movies, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness has its red carpet premiere tonight. The film stars Benedict Cumberbatch and will unlock the Marvel multiverse and continue the story from 2016's Doctor Strange. In music, rapper Future released his newest album, I Never Liked You, last Friday. The deluxe version of the album dropped today. Rolling Stone wrote that Future, quote, unashamedly indulges in his characteristic blend of misogynist impulses, end quote. However, they described the album as being more compositional and a little more emotionally layered than his usual work. In sports, the NBA playoffs enter round two, with eight teams remaining. The Milwaukee Bucks beat the Boston Celtics on Sunday, and the Golden State Warriors narrowly beat the Memphis Grizzlies. Action continues tonight with the Philadelphia 76ers and Miami Heat facing off at 6.30 p.m. CST. The Dallas Mavericks and the Phoenix Suns play at 9 p.m. CST. And the NHL playoffs start this week. The Boston Bruins play the Carolina Hurricanes at 6 p.m. CST, as do the Tampa Bay Lightning and Toronto Maple Leafs. The St. Louis Blues face off against the Minnesota Wild at 8.30 p.m., and the Los Angeles Kings play the Edmonton Oilers at 9 p.m. That's all for the B-List this week. Check in next Monday to hear about what happens this week in pop culture. For WNUR News, I'm Allison Rauch. A look at the weather for tonight and the coming days ahead. You guessed it, cold and rainy. Sarah, it's it's uh, it's May, right? Yeah, okay, she nods. Just making sure. Tomorrow morning, a lovely 39 degrees and a, a high of 43 with rain. Wednesday, we start the day off at 40. Whoa, a treat. And you can expect a high of 45 with rain. And the rest of this week, again, shocker, low 40s and, drumroll, rain. Wow, what a weather report. All right, well, taking a look at the headlines this week. Earlier today, Northwestern students received an active threat notice from university police. A carjacking suspect from an attempted traffic stop fled into the Morton Medical Research Building on the school's Chicago campus. The Chicago PD arrested the suspect in the basement of the ward building about an hour later, around 2.20 p.m. The university's coronavirus dashboard updated with last week's case numbers. It reports 189 new positive coronavirus cases, a 5.12% positivity rate, but still less from over 300 positive cases about three weeks ago. Lights, camera, well, hold the camera. For the new spring fashion exhibit at the Metropolitan Museum of Art, nine film directors, including Regina King, Martin Scorsese, and Chloe Zhao, have put their stamp on the museum's American period rooms constructing fashion-centric vignettes. Quote, in America, an anthology of fashion, launched with Monday's Met Gala, that's tonight. It's the second part of a broader show on American fashion, masterminded, as usual, by star curator Andrew Bolton. 
Attending the preview this morning, First Lady Jill Biden spoke of the power of fashion to send a message, as she said she did at the State of the Union address when she wore a sunflower as a message of solidarity with Ukraine. A former U.S. Marine who died last week in Ukraine was believed to be the first American citizen killed while fighting there. An undetermined number of other Americans, many with military backgrounds, are thought to be in the country battling Russian forces besides both Ukrainians and volunteers from other countries. U.S. involvement in the Ukraine-Russia war currently extends to sending military equipment, humanitarian aid, and money. That's all for WNUR News at 6 p.m. For more news updates and reports, follow us on Twitter at WNUR News. You can listen to these and other stories of the day on our website, WNUR.news. That's WNUR.news. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Our producer today is Sarah Cadora, and our reporters are Jordan Manji, Maria Camaño, Maria Jimena Aragon, Paz Baum, and Allison Rao. From all of us here at WNUR News, I'm Angelina Campanile. Thanks for listening. Catch our next newscast on Wednesday, May 4th, may the 4th be with you, at 6 p.m. Now, back to scheduled programming.